Hello everyone and welcome to Play the Ball podcast. My name is Neeraj and I'm joined by my friend Sai Prasad. In this episode, we will be talking about an excellent week of football that had it all from thrilling Premier League games right to some very surprising and shocking results and performances in the Champions League. Okay, so first we'll talk about the Merseyside derby, which I would say is the most dramatic game of this game week and because it had VAR controversy, red cards, and it looked like a proper derby, didn't it? Yeah, Sai, I mean, uh, it, it was violent at times. It was rough, it was brutal. It is like a proper throwback to the, you know, the uh, old Merseyside derbies in the 2000s. It was, Everton had to resort to being physical at times because it was completely Liverpool's game. They were dominating. And you, you remember the Aston Villa match, right? I mean, they... One of the major reasons why I thought they lost that badly was because their midfielders didn't do their job. They didn't press enough, especially when you're maintaining a high line. We already talked about this before. And But at Goodison Park, it was completely different. Liverpool midfield was very impressive, especially Henderson. I cannot believe I'm, I've reached a day where I'm actually praising Henderson, but it was a complete performance. He said the tempo running kept the ball taking, was all over the field. It was like a proper captain's display. And special mention to Thiago as well. He took a bit of time to get into the groove, but once he started getting and seeing more of the ball, he started dominating and showed his class everywhere. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. Because I think the main difference was with the midfield. Because they showed the quality, they showed the superiority over there. They were able to win the ball back at important places and, you know, start the counter attacks. I think that's where they got the first goal as well. It was a very brilliant goal. And uh, it was cruising for a moment. Uh, like, for the entire game, they looked like they are under control. But at times, they, you know, uh, Everton's quality was evident because they were able to hit them on the counter. And the man in form, Calvert-Lewin, got a goal at the very crucial time. And also, as you mentioned, Everton's set piece, which seems to be a strong point in them. It showed as well because they got a goal from set piece with a beautiful Amos uh, corner and uh, Michael Keane scored a great goal. And it almost looked like it was a 3-2 win from Liverpool and it finally, VAR interfered and it completely ruined it. So, I want to ask about that situation. Do you think that was an offside? Do you think it was harsh or what do you make of that VAR call? That is, that is that's a very difficult thing to say, Sai. I mean, um, to be honest, even though it's Liverpool, I was not a fan of the decision because for me, or at least what I've understood of VAR, it, VAR was supposed to be a tool that referees use to, you know, overturn uh, clear and obvious errors. If there is a clear and obvious mistake from the referees and the assistant referee side, you can use VAR to uh, get it overturned or get it checked. But this is, it. I don't know, it was not offside for me. And even if it is, it's just marginal. Uh, it's like, you know, tiniest part of Mani's arm that is outside. Why are we calling offsides for that? I mean, that's, I know it's the rules that any part of your goal scoring body, if it's offside, it is off. If it's beyond the last defender, it's offside. But come on, that's, this is, this is getting ridiculous now. There's no consistency again from the VR side. I know it's rules, but that's, that's extremely harsh, to be honest. Yeah, it's like we are repeating it, right? Every every episode. Uh, they almost look for the exact part where you can give it an offside. It's not like, okay, so this is the right call. This is the protocol we are going to follow. And this is the 
uh, verdict we are going to give. It's not like that. It's they're just looking for that particular point where they can, you know, ruin it and give it offside and you know, create some drama. It, it exactly looks like that. And uh, I think there needs to be a proper protocol or guidelines on where they should draw a line or where they should, how much tolerance they can have. Because, yeah, offside is an offside. No matter how many millimeters or centimeters it is, it is an offside. But you should be consistent with it. You can't say draw a line from shoulder to for an offside at one match and you know take an elbow for the second match and uh, that's the difference because if you notice let's okay let's just talk about the other drama because uh, the Van Dyke's injury it looked like it was also they called it as an offside as well but when you draw the line it looked completely different and uh, yeah just uh, what do you make of that Van Dyke's injury like and there's been a lot of, uh, you know, backlash over Pickford, which I think is absurd. Yeah, sure, he he, he made a reckless challenge. And I'm I'm 100% with anyone who says that he deserved a red card. But I'm totally against saying that, you know, Pickford should be banned from playing for 20 game weeks or some crazy ridiculous statements like that and calling for his head. And that seems to be absurd. But what do you make that's, of that? That's, that's ridiculous. I mean, you don't expect anything else from Liverpool fans. I'm sorry, but... They've got spoiled over the last couple of years now that started performing well. But um, coming back to that injury, but uh, okay, so it's it's been going on for a while now. So if a play is deemed offside, none of that, ha- what happened during that play is counted, right? But in cases like this, there should be there should be some retrospection coming. I mean, come on. That, that was a reckless challenge, like you said. It, it is a straight red and definitely a ban for three matches. Of course, the claims to ban him for... The, I've heard claims that Pickford should be banned as long as Van Dyke is injured. I mean, I don't know who's coming up with all this, but... Yeah, uh, it's a red card, definitely. And even if the referee does not give, there has to be a retrospective action from the FA. Give a three-match ban after the game, give a red card. Even that was also declared... A, Basically, Pickford was let go. I don't understand that. It was still a reckless challenge. Yes, it was an offside, but it, he did not know it was an offside, right? If, if there was no VR and let's say it was not given a call, it would, it would have been deemed in play and that would, have been a given, that would have been given a red, right? So, I think that's something they have to look at too uh, in, in this particular case because... That, I mean, obviously, like like we know, Van Dyke is now going to be out for at least eight, seven to eight months, and it was unintentional, but still, that was extremely reckless by Pickford. So, and that does definitely deserved a red card. And these are sort of the things that referees need to look at, not you know, one millimeter outside of the last line, geometrical line drawn by VAR and stuff like that. Yeah, and uh, I think the injury is much worse because the David Honesting from Athletic also reported that, you know, the injury is knee injury is much worse than expected, and he could be out for you know at least a year, and uh, that seems to be a massive blow for Liverpool, isn't it? Because we already predicted that they were one centre back down because they sold Lovren and they didn't replace him, knowing they can manage with the centre backs they had, but now it's a struggle. Like they are in a panic mode right now, right? Definitely. I mean, even if you, even if it's for rival fans, you don't really wish injuries for anybody, and that, it's just, it's just unfortunate for Van. Hopefully, he makes a speedy recovery. And like you said, yes, there is centre back shot, but Fabinho is feeling in really well. To be honest, he performed well in the Champions League game against Ajax as well, and he had a brilliant game against 
Chelsea too. So I think they're good for now, but again, he is no Van Dyke at centre back, and he, he it, that effect will be seen this season sooner or later. And uh, hopefully, he makes a quick re- recovery. Yeah, like Fabinho is a great cover because whenever he played at the centre back, he looked very solid. He also made a crucial goal line clearance against the game against Ajax. So that seems to be a short-term cover for now. But I still feel that they need to go and you know strengthen their centre back options in January because it is a tough market to get someone in the January. Because I think the only saving grace is that they got Thiago in because Thiago can't do the work at the base of the midfield and they can push Fabinho to being a out and out centre back at big games. Let's say. Against small games, they can manage with Gomez and Matip. But uh, yeah, that seems to be the way forward. Because I I am like, based on the reports, it seems that Liverpool are not panicking at the moment. They know that they can cover with Fabinho and some quality youngsters they have. But let's see how long it takes for Van Dijk to recover and you know what. It's a massive blow, you know, mentally also. Because you're losing such a quality player who's been one of the key reasons why you are back at the top right now. So, let's see how Liverpool recovers from. I think one point we should mention is how both the Liverpool teams, uh, both Liverpool and Everton, both of them have serious goalkeeping issues. For Liverpool, it's Alisson's injury and Adrian is not good cover. I mean, Gomez is a good player, so is Matip who is a good cover, but they are all panicking when Adrian is in goal. When your goalkeeper doesn't give you confidence, you will be in that panic mode. Their backup goalkeeper is not good enough. So, Liverpool has something to think about. It's already caused them a couple of goals. That first keen goal uh, from, this, uh, from the corner, he should have saved that. And uh, you go back to Everton, it's the same issue again. The one defect or one danger spot in that... End. In that good Everton side is the goalkeeper. Pickford, I mean, what do you say about Pickford? Lot of clownery moments, lot of rash moments. He's still a good shot stopper, but he's becoming increasingly unreliable now. So that's something again. We have, we keep bringing it back again and again about Carlos' um, goalkeeping situations. I expect to see some moments in January. No doubt about that. Yeah, like I totally agree with you because you know if you remove the English bias, I think no one would even rate Pickford as one of the top goalkeepers in Premier League because he had a worse save percentage than yeah yeah he had a worse save percentage than Kepa I guess if I'm not wrong. So it's just the English bias which is keeping him at big clubs like this. And you know he always has his moments where he can cause some moments which will completely. Turned the game around. Even against Brighton, they had a moment like that, but somehow they were way ahead of the game that they it didn't cost them much in the results. And I think they should have gone and uh, made the like. It's a hard decision, and you know Pickford was a good servant for the club for quite some time. But when you are aiming for the top, when you are aiming for the European positions, you need to make certain harsh decisions. And I think they could have gone for better goalkeepers. Like you know, Amy Martinez was available, and uh, we talked about this. I guess if Everton was coming in for him. I don't think he will choose Aston Villa or Everton any day. And with the project Everton are in right now, I, that would have been a great signing for them. He's a solid, solid goalkeeper. And uh, they should have done it. I think their backup goalkeeper, I'm not sure how the backup goalkeeper is. I'm not sure how he can, if he can be a starting Premier League goalkeeper. 
but yeah they should have gone for someone like a martinez or romero let's see if they do come back for romero again with their interest and that's an addition which needs to be taken and as of liverpool i i won't be much concerned because yeah sure adrian's mistake is there but it's not like adrian is going to start the, for them at 38 games all so uh, alisson will come back and once he comes back fully fit it's going to be a smooth goalkeeping situation for them i guess right yeah i mean i'm not exactly sure how long is the extent uh, of alisson's injury but it seems like a recurring thing alisson is becoming injury prone so in that case you need to have a quality backup and adrian is not i'm sorry adrian is just not a quality gap uh, yeah, backup goalkeeper they seem to be in a crisis right now in defense so let's see how they fix now now that even this game week proves that you know the title race is right now i would say wide open because now with really? the uh, with liverpool missing van dijk it's going to cause lot it's going to give a lot of confidence to some teams like let's say a man city who would have who thought they didn't have a great of great transfer window and they were a little bit not so optimistic about the season now going into it they'll be more optimistic right so the title is wide open for them to you know catch it yeah definitely yeah uh, i absolutely agree with you the it's been a very bizarre season already and uh, it's just wide open everton is at the top the manchester clubs in the bottom half of the table right now liverpool inconsistent spurs chelsea losing dropping unnecessary points aston villa in a great run of form it's it's very interesting to see where this goes yeah we'll see what happens but you know i would like to conclude this with a statement because uh after this shocking refereeing performance in this game I, it, it just reminded me of Arsene Wenger's quote. So when someone asked him, "Do you want to go to hell or heaven?" he asked them, "Where are the English referees?" And so I would like to conclude this with that. Yeah, I mean English referees. Uh, that that would require a whole new episode, Sai. I mean, let's not go there. So let's move on to Manchester, where Arsenal met Man City at Etihad. Um, it is not a usual, typical performance from City. uh but still they deserve their much needed three points with a 1-0 victory against arteta's men it was dogged let's say it was rugged it was not you know free flowing football that we are used to see from pep city but in a way it's nice to see because at times when things are not going for you when you, the when your gameplay is not going for you it's nice to see that you still have the mental strength or you have the character to get through the result and you know come off the game with three points so i see it as a very good performance mentally by city but again like i mentioned it's not a free flowing game either actually from both sides there was not really much going on from an attacking point of sense uh, man city had i think five shots on goal and arsenal three if i'm not wrong and uh, even though city did look much more threatening going forward but really nothing much came out of it what do you make of the game side yeah uh, i mean before going into the game i was kind of confident that we could nick a result because that's the con- i mean that shows the progress of where we came with arteta because you know going into this big games i always thought we are going to get beaten up very badly at that two away from home where we haven't won since 2015 and uh, but this was very different the mood was uh, like every arsenal fans mood was very positive we beat them last time we faced them so we were confident that we could take a result from here 
and uh, the game you know this is what is kind of different with arsenal uh, when they face some sides which they know is very superior in quality let's say a liverpool or a man city we take a little bit more a con- like you know conservative approach in this games and that's what happened last time as well and that's fair enough because the last time like every time we go there with a very attacking mindset and you know go play expansive football but when you lose when you don't have that quality or when you're far behind them in terms of progress it's going to hurt you so badly and we concede three goals every single time we face them and the same it's okay though we lost it it shows a much bigger progress than what we had before we had a game plan we knew that we can't attack in every single opportunity we did build up from the back and we did have, we did create great chances but edison was superb that night and he made some crucial saves and one from nicolo pepe's header and bukayo saka's challenge and you know obameyang's challenge we did create a great chance there were 13 shots from man city and 11 shots from arsenal and uh, we both created one one big chance each and you know the one big chance they converted it and we were not able to and that's where the difference lies and uh, as you see mentioned this is a dogged result from city as well they needed this win to you know show that they are still the city they were and like they can still upset, like get results from any team they want and uh, it was a great win for pep yeah much needed points three points for city um, as i think this is their first win after their opening weekend against wolves so it was really needed but let me ask you sir you are the arsenal fan right so i was i was watching the game and uh, you know the way arsenal was pressing city's midfield and de- uh, defense i was i i the first thing that came to my mind was why was not why was lacazette not starting because the way they were pressing they having a focal point would have helped and being a striker like lacazette who has the technical ability to drop deep collect the balls this uh, spread it to your wingers and your attacking midfielders i felt it could have made a difference in the way uh, because nobody was able to get quality balls through to obameyang there there was not enough crosses for him so i felt having a focal point could have made a difference is there a reason why like i said didn't start or do you feel differently yeah i think this was uh, down to the tactics because uh, Arteta tried something this game and it didn't work because he didn't have the personnel right at the moment because he wanted to play a false nine with Willian. Willian was almost playing the center as a false nine and uh, it didn't work because Willian was not is not a false nine and it, he didn't make the runs which a false nine would do to you know create chances and uh, work. So the way the mid Arsenal attack is set up right now right it's Pepe, Willian, Aubameyang and Saka and they are quite flexible in their positions. Aubameyang can play in the left, he can go into the center. Saka can play in the left and he can play a little bit in the center. Willian can cover the wings and, you know, they can do the positional interchanging which they want to, you know, uh, make the in-game tactics work. And uh, Arteta wanted something like uh, like that. He wanted Willian to play as a false hand, you know, create some chances and do something. But that tactics backfired. It didn't work the way we wanted it to because Willian was not a false hand. He has never played false hand that much. and yeah that's where i mean i we i think we could have done better with lacazette instead of villian uh, but uh, i'm not sure why villian uh, started over him but the best player on the pitch was a 19 year old bukayo saka because he was absolutely mm-hmm. phenomenal in that game 
and uh, to be 19 years old and you know going away from home and playing the most impressive part about saka is that he plays in multiple positions and he still has a great game in every single position he plays in and that shows how tactically versatile he is and how he can play in every single role and that that was a big positive we can take from this game because you know we lack creative midfielder this time with the axing of ozil as well and uh, we need some creativity from the midfield which is not being offered much with the midfielders we have right now and uh, with the addition of partey we can be a bit more expansive with saka and if he can be this consistent uh, i think we will get some creative output from him oh yeah man I've, i i can't get enough of mentioning saka again and again every episode but i think i'm becoming a fanboy to be able to play in the positions he is asked to and still come up with a game with at least a 7 by 10 like you say it shows how much of a footballing brain the player has and how much tactically he understands what he needs to do and that's something immense for a 19 year old to have the maturity to produce performances like that being versatile that's something uh, definitely worth watching for a big shout out to saka he had a great game yet again some senior players from other teams as well as from arsenal can actually take a you know actually can take a good look at how a 19 year old boy is performing yeah uh, uh, we are talking about the stats you know he had two shots on target out of arsenal's three he had three crosses two one accurate long ball one key passes and uh, he had, he succeeded four dribbles and he was he had two tackles and one interception and six recoveries and that's very impressive for 19 year old and you can't expect more from someone who's just 19 and uh, that's a great positive sign for the creativity problems we have right now i mean england do have a you know bunch of certain really talented people but we'll see how they use it so next we'll talk about the other side of manchester where uh, united went to newcastle and won for a convincing 4-1 and it was a much needed win for united right and uh, what do you make of the game oh yeah definitely i mean after the hammering united received last week they needed a response and to be honest i'm not saying the 1-4 scoreline was not deserved but most of the match it looked like it was going to be one of those days i mean don't get me wrong united were playing well they were creating chances but newcastle defense was doing well the goalkeeper was in great form darlow again coming up with yet another big match performance but it was a much needed result especially for captain maguire he needed that after the recent mistakes the lack of form the unfair immensely huge unfair criticism he has been receiving from all rounds i think he deserved that and it's not just the goal either he he had a really good game defensively as well uh, as well so he he barely put a foot wrong so i think it's a much needed performance from the captain and from united as well and for me the best thing about the match was seeing mata back in a groove because i never understood why he was out of the match squad for premier league games more often of late i know he's moving on his legs have become slow but in games like these that's when mata thrives right he's able to drift in and i thought bisaka van bisaka played really well as well because 
matter both sides right you had matter and james both looking to drive inwards and you had supporting bruno as well so matter kept looking to drift inwards and you needed a good full back to cover that space and i thought van bissaka did that really well and this is what he should do on a more consistent level go forwards be in an attacking uh, positions when there's a chance yes he did you know he did have a couple of crossing chances which he fluffed but i thought it was a much improved attacking performance from van bissaka as well and he crowned up with his first professional goal in his career what a shot though that was by I me mean, i was not expecting that but uh, yeah it's a good response response from united i thought everybody had a good game um james looked solid yes he missed uh, he was not really that good at the final third there is not really productivity but i thought he looked much sharper than the last few months matter and the show bruno missed a penalty but he made it up with a goal as well and i thought rashford looked good too i mean rashford is now doing excellent work on and off the field now i mean how do you not love the guy so i am um, i thought it is overall a good performance and from newcastle point of view i mean there was nothing really they created one good chance which dahia made a magnificent save but from a wilson shot but apart from that there was nothing really I, only alan seen maximum looked threatening and he was probably the only constant threat but sadly for newcastle he was the only player threatening to take the game to united they did start well i mean uh through that freak own goal by shaw i mean there's not much he could have done or in fact dahia could have done about it but when that goal went in i was thinking okay this is going to be that game again but thankfully the players showed enough character to get back into the game as for newcastle not much to take away only two standout players were saint maxim and darlow i think i'm becoming a big fan of darlow these days is making some incredible saves and the fact that he got injured and he still chose to carry on because steve bruce thought he might need a third outfield player as a substitute shows his mental strength and his character as well um, i think he deserved he really deserved a shout out and when it comes to saint maximum he he is talented he has a lot of talent and he looks threatening he has pace but it's like that right it's the same thing if no matter how skillful you are how much you know show stopper five star skills you show if you don't have an in product for me you are not good enough a football player have the in product and if i if i ask in newcastle i've been reading some newcastle fans comments they think the same thing they are a fan of his they know he has enough talent to be a world beater and but the thing is that and the performances that includes the final third the productive and the start that only matters and that comes only like once in a few games and that's concerning for the fans and that's what i look at it as well you show end product to you know convince me that you're a good solid top football player and that part is currently missing from saint maxim so that's something he can improve on obviously but yeah overall a good performance from united yeah i think he summarized it pretty well and uh, one thing good it looked like a more close to being a 2-2 game than a 4-1 game because at one point of time uh, wilson had a great chance to level it up and uh, he headed it right into dias and and he made a he had a great uh, reflex and he made a brilliant save to stop it and uh, 
that that's where the game could have turned and that could have tested united's mental abilities a bit more but then after they missed it always looked like a one team show because united creates created a lot of opportunities and uh, they had a lot of chances to go ahead uh, even in the first half and uh, yeah that that was a very impressive performance and they turned the gear up once the maguire got his header as well so it was a great result for united it's a great bounce back and uh, ole shut down his haters at least for a while let's say he's still at the wheel now and uh, so let's see how they go because they have crucial couple of games ahead against chelsea arsenal and everton so that that will truly decide where united season is going to go from here because this result is great it, it is a morale boost and they go into a great momentum even after their champions league performance so let's see if they carry on this momentum or if they stumble another at another block as well there's a great point right there's a great point so i think the biggest challenge for ole right now is how to manage his players because like you said they have a run of fixtures coming in everton arsenal chelsea and you have leipzig in between as well in the champions league he has done well ole for um, the newcastle game as well as that impressive champions league match as well but we have to see how he's going to use now new signings are also ready i we already saw a glimpse of what telles can provide um, against that against psg and i think from what i hear against uh, chelsea for the next game week uh, cavani is fit as well is match fit so he will be making a um, appearance at least i'm expecting so and greenwood is going to come back as well so it i think all his biggest challenge right now is man management and you have obviously van de beek who will be hoping for much bigger match contributions as the season goes by so yeah hoping we'll see how how ole takes on from here so moving on from manchester let's go to london where two important fixtures took place we'll start with the first one where chelsea took on southampton um again what can i say about this game uh, chelsea drew 3 all with southampton again a slip up uh, i don't know where to start with this side chelsea they look so much of a threat going forward i mean i was stunned that the first half was absolutely brilliant the harvards uh, werner pulisic mason mount their interpositional play was um, in, intensely and it was immensely beautiful to be honest i i was i was spellbound watching the first half werner was threatening he kept threatening to go beyond uh, the center, uh, southampton defense who we all know likes to play high line and he kept lot of uh, he kept making lot of those runs he was kept threatening through the left and the center and the, his first goal was a thing of beauty it was beautifully taken and not to mention the second goal as well uh, so beautiful clip over the keeper before heading it in and uh, one thing i found is southampton played too narrow in the first half which gave chilwell a lot of space to push forward i thought chilwell had a great game as well in the first half i mean at least and uh, uh, chelsea looked like a proper ch- champions team there uh, and second half is the same old story sai what do you make of the second half yeah i think uh, chelsea's attack is very good like uh they scored a lot of goals and you know with the level of talent they have and with the uh, the personal they have you would kind of expect it from them right so you know there is police chavers and burner and mount you you kind of expect them to you know create this crazy chances because everybody is very good and very young and 
uh, with the with the high line they play as well it benefits them a lot which uh, and i think that was a very good thing lampard knows how to set up his attack and you know how to play but the main problem comes in terms of you know their transition and their defensive shape and that's been a great problem for him ever since his chelsea manager career he never seemed to have his defense under control and this same he went to the bit more conservative midfield of uh, kante and kovacic to sorry kante and jorginho to uh, give that defensive stability and i think they missed thiago silva a lot and let's just talk about the second half you know uh, they were they had the game under control and uh, suddenly they they have these moments of uh, uncertainty or the mistakes i would say and that comes from that usually used to come from kepa and now it came from zuma and uh, that back pass was so bad he, he could have waited for the ball to land and then made the pass to kepa he made the contact mid air and he fluffed it and kepa was so double minded on whether he needs to go and you know clear it or whether he needs to stand back and stay in his line and he did neither he stayed in the middle and some of the ball landed on che adams foot and he put, put it back past and uh, yeah i think that's the that part of uh, mistakes they need to tight, tighten it up and i think thiago silva coming in would improve it a bit or at least that's what lampard things it would do but uh, yeah it's just one of those games where you, when they fail to keep their defensive shape under control they would get uh, bad because the first goal was very reminiscent of that havertz loses the ball in the midfield and uh, nobody has any clue on what to do because it was a great through ball to danny ings and zuma just stood there doing nothing and so uh, ings went past him with the quality and form ings is in right now he just put it in the back of the net and yeah they need to uh, tighten it up in the transition uh, get back the defensive shape and if possible do the cynical fouls which kante seems to do but other than that their transition game is so weak and i think that's where that's going to cause them big time i agree sir i mean that you 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 touched up on the main point the transition when they lose the ball they don't have the defensive shape or organization how to get back to it or what to do what to proceed what to how to proceed or what to do now and what annoyed me the most from the second goal uh, second goal was not yes the mistake was uh, bad it was bad but what annoyed me was was zuma not getting back to try to make up for it i saw aspilicata from nowhere trying to rushing back trying to cover it and he was not even in the frame and zuma was just walking is he made the missing walk in that irritated me a lot because zuma was somebody i i rate a lot i used to rate a lot when he was younger when he was 19 20 before his horrific injury that happened i think i i believe it happened against united a cup few years back and he is he does not look the same player he, he yes he has gotten to groove he has come back he's been a long time ago is is a case very similar to luke shaw i believe except luke shaw does not make as many mistakes as zuma makes right now but what's irritating me is that there was a real there is a real center back there a proper world class center back and then he comes up with this brain dead mistakes i mean come off it you you can't do mistakes like this at the top level i think you need experience over there right you know i think he's the kind of a center back who needs an experienced guy to you know say yeah, okay yeah. go there yeah. go do this don't go push forward come back and to, i think he needs a proper leader to guide him and i think that's where thiago silva plays a big role 
they really missed him uh, chelsea uh, but again it's a recurring theme this they are dropping points and letting conceding goals actually and, this uh, leads not to chelsea as well if you go back to lampard's derby days their defense especially from the set pieces their defending is not good so i think it's more than just the players i think it's down to the coaching some of the mistakes they make can be caused out of them and the defensive shape the coaches can do it so this is one area like you said lampard has to improve there's not been a, i mean if you look at the stats Lamp, lampard's managerial career since since he took over chelsea he has considered 63 goals in 43 games i believe or 64 goals in 43 games i believe that's a shocking number for a top four club or a club that's going to challenge that has aspirations to challenge for the title i mean that's shocking number and they have to look at it no matter how much you can score you're not going to with the defense like that and the pressure lampard is in right now after the level of investment chelsea put in and you know the you would say he was the most backed manager in the past couple of years in premier league also and yeah. he needs to deliver and uh, i think that's where a difference i see the clear difference between a, someone like arteta and lampard because you know when arteta came into this arsenal side he knew it was a shambles in defense and now we are the second least def- goal conceding team like we are the second best defense in the entire league and that's something you wouldn't expect from arsenal side with the level of performances we put in the past 5 years and uh, you need to you know take step by step and you need to have the stability and i think you should have done that you should have with the personal yes you should be much more stable in defense and it is down to his coaching and yeah let's see how they cope up with it but uh, if they are uh, doing this under against some big sides they are going to get beaten very bad because all their results they had this problem even against brighton they seem to have this problem and they somehow managed to escape with individual brilliance and that's not going to help you every single time and uh, this is the kind of things which you need to uh, you know correct it and for it, as you clearly mentioned if you want a challenge for title this can't happen you can't concede these many goals in a game so yeah and uh, let's just move on to the other part where uh, tottenham face west ham and it seems to be a fairy tale story for everybody in tottenham bales come back and uh, son and kane having at another brilliant interchange in games and it was smooth sailing till 80th minute and after that you know they completely capitulated and uh, conceded three goals and it went into a 3-3 build with an absolute rocket from uh, landin so let's see what do you make of the game neeraj oof i mean say you talk about a bo- oh, talk about bottling a result um I mean, they were if i'm not wrong spurs were 3-0 by 20 minutes 20 25 minutes yeah and they look even though in the second half they did look like they were not having a lot of possession they did they were in control they were in like a proper control of the game and let's start at the beginning i mean kane and son i mean name europe's best duo right now there you are the, the unbelievable uh, interchanging between both of them yeah oh, even i saw this one analysis where uh, you know when kane receives the ball son starts running just just put your head down and start running because kane is somehow going to find you and i think it's down to tactical i mean in the training ground they used to practice yeah. this i guess and with the brilliant passing range kane has he's just going to find son every time 
Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, kudos to Kane again. He did score two and he set up for Son again as well. And uh, it's like you said, I think I thought everybody in Spurs had a really good game. Endobly looks like a rejuvenated player now. He looks more like the player we we kept seeing in Leon, the player that impressed us more the most in Leon. And it's again, I think it's back to that one season syndrome. And now he seems to be performing well. I thought everybody did a good job, uh, but I mean, the, credit to West Ham. I mean, that's a really good spirit there. They uh, they got their first goal and they kept going and again and they didn't give up. They got the second. I think, I think the moment they uh, scored the second, I mean that was a brilliant cross. Cresswell again looked dangerous. Rice had a really good game as well. And after Balbuena scored the second goal, there was somewhere some belief that you know West Ham could nick it. And uh, well, whatever. I mean, like you mentioned, that is a goal that's worth winning any final, let alone a Premier League game. in the champions league final a world cup final what a strike from lanzini came out of nowhere to be honest i was i was expecting west ham to equalize after they got the second goal but not in this fashion but what i took away from is that no matter whatever signings they made spurs are missing that leader in the back and i expect toby alderweireld to be that but he does not seem to be the character i don't know but i think uh, uh, swansea's there's latest signing from swansea rodon is going to join and i i really like him i thought he was probably the best center back after uh, after white uh, from brighton in, in the championship last season i think that's going to improve a lot sanchez i don't know sanchez had a really good 80 minutes and then he went from uh, a, you know a really good performance to shambolic you know the worst phil jones or mustafi performance you can think of he completely lost the plot the last 10 minutes you can't just blame him and it's it's not really great to pinpoint one particular player if you consider three concede three goals in the last 10 but um, yeah no that was a, that was a really bad last 10 minutes for sanchez and i harry wings was brought in to you know get that clean sheet but i thought he was poor as well in the 10 minutes he did not keep up with the west ham players i thought he was lethargic so again it's come down to mentality uh, but spurs did have the chances i think hurricane score uh, hit the post once or twice bale did bale had a really great run where he dribbled past defenders but he shot he shot wide so spurs did have the chance to you know shore it up get in the three points but let's not take away anything from west ham i think they did really yeah. they started the season really well haven't they side yeah exactly and i think the the character is down to the momentum they had because ever since the arsenal game we are saying that they are playing really well against every opponent and uh, it's just their character you know right even rice said in his interview that when they went 3-0 down half time they knew that coming back if they nick one goal out of nowhere it, it will give them a lot of confidence to you know take a point from this game and that that's exactly what it happened they kept on pushing and i think second half it was totally a different game i thought west ham dominated and uh, the two chances they should have converted with the level of quality kane and bale possess but uh, i think it's unfortunate and uh, it's clearly this you know we call it the first thing it's it's all it's tottenham and that's what mourinho is trying to you know remove it because even he was even asked this during his europa league press conference and he said it wouldn't happen again like it's not going to happen every single time it's not anything like spurs 
Spurs here. Don't call it anything like that. And uh, there has been a lot of uh, Spurs are, you know, not, they won't win a trophy. There's a lot of things surrounding Spurs and Mourinho is trying to break them all. And uh, let's see how this goes in this season. And does he break or... But uh, with this character Spurs are in, I don't think uh, they won't have these kind of results because I think this is going to happen sometime. And uh, as you mentioned, they need a leader to you know tidy it up and take this club forward. And I don't think Harry Kane is this kind of a vocal leader because we've seen in this documentary and all he says is, come on, lads, let's go do this win. And he does nothing more than that. So let's see what happens. But yeah, uh, a great result for other top six contenders. But a very bad result for Chelsea and Tottenham. Yeah, so Sai, in one word, Spurs title challenges? No, 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 no. Never. They're never going to win a title. This, I mean, both from heart and mind, I am pretty sure that they're not going to win a title this year. Because we mentioned, right, the hunt for trophy is going to come from cup games and they're somehow going to yeah. bottle it at the important points in the league. And yeah, so it's all a smooth run for certain clubs, but when they hit hard blocks, we'll really know what character they have. So, let's see, Actually, but definitely yeah. not everyone. The how Spurs approach the next game will tell, say a lot about their mentality right now. Yeah. So, crazy season. Yeah, I mean, we wouldn't have thought that we would even mention a question like Spurs as title contenders at the start of the season. But fair question, but I don't think they're going to... Uh, be a title contender this time. Do you think otherwise or do you think they're going to I mean, I think I jinxed it before because before the West Ham game, I did tell them they were, if they get, I, but I did mention this, that if they get the centre-back uh, center back pairing sorted out, if the new signing fits in well, I think they have a real shout. Whether they'll win it, I don't think so, no. But will they give a real shout out to Liverpool or will they actually push them? I think so. You have Jose Mourinho and if they get 60% of bail, peak bail, they're set. They got in a really good striker, Vinicius. And uh, Kane and Son are out of the world right now. Again, it's like Chelsea. Going forward, they have no problem. Their midfield looks at as well. They have good balance. Their fullbacks are really good as well. Their centre-back is a problem. Uh, you don't know how consistent Dyer and Sanchez can perform together. Or, or, or who, the person who's going to pair up with all the world and Jose will be hoping Rodan fits in well and if they get it right I see them going somewhere if, if, they won't win it but it comes down to fitness as well right because I I mean to be really honest I don't expect Kane to you know start 38 games and I'm not expecting him both Kane and Son to be fit for the most part because Kane seriously has his injury crisis at the back end of the season and that's where it seems to hurt them a lot because I don't know the last time Kane was fit for a very long time. I mean, throughout an entire season. So, when the injury hits them hard, let's see how they react. Let's see how their backups are. And uh, that's what shows if they are title contenders or not. But I think that's the doubt I have. Because I'm not expecting Bale, Kane and Son to be fit and start almost every game they have in the back end. So, yeah, let's see what happens. But an interesting question to answer though. So from other results across the game week in Premier League, Aston Villa, four games, four wins. They maintain their winning streak as they beat Leicester by one goal to nil. Leicester looks really inconsistent this season and Brendan Rodgers will be hoping they'll get over this phase. 
and uh, Burnley West Brom surprisingly played out uh, Premier League's first 0-0 uh, draw of the season. I mean, with goals coming, goals raining from other matches, it was a nice change to uh, see finally a 0-0. Imagine, you know. imagine being in UK and paying $15 to watch an ill draw. Yeah, I mean, I, I can only feel bad for the British fans right now. And moving on, Brighton Palace. It is a one-all draw. Brighton deserved a lot more, and I'm I'm thankful that they did finally get the equalizer. They they were completely dominating throughout the game, and Palace did the typical Palace performance. They, they had, had one, one shot, shot on target, and it's a penalty. And I think Palace yeah. deserved to lose if they had that bad performance. But yeah, they seem to be lucky at some point, and they got the yeah. result. Almost they might they might shut out their way to safety in this this season. We'll see. And moving on, Fulham and Sheffield played out an interesting one-all draw. Uh, Fulham did have chances to win, but Mitrovic missed a penalty. He missed a good chance to win it late at the end. It was not his day. It, it, things are going against him. And uh, it was okay. It is what you expect. Sheffield, again, not really threatening that much in the final third. They seem to build well until the final third, but from there, they lost. They barely look like the team they were last season. A good and thing finally, is that both secured their first point and, uh, you know, they're yeah, not zero. They're still bottom, but yeah, a good start. Definitely. But the last 10 minutes was worth watching though. They knew, both the teams recognized that, that, you know, this was a match they could get three points out of and they went at it the last 10 minutes. But uh, they came with a point apiece. And uh, moving on to what I felt was a very interesting game. Leeds versus Wolves. And Wolves won it late, uh, 1-0, and condemn, condemning leads to a defeat. Uh, it was a good, it's a very interesting performance to watch. Two top performing teams and contrasting styles too. So, I felt it was a good watch, but very, very important three points for Wolves. So, now the Champions League is back. Let's just quickly talk about some of the interesting Champions League pictures that's happened. So, let's just first start with Another Paris masterclass from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Uh, Manchester United won two, one against PSG, and um, I think you'll be buzzing with the result, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's yeah, another night in Paris, another goal for Rashford. Brilliant performance. And what impressed me most about this game is that we have had really good results recently, one one match or the other. Like under Jose, we beat Juventus at home at Allianz and we beat PSG last week in an incredible comeback at uh, Parc des Princes. But these, all these good results, we always felt like, you know, it was more like a sma uh, hit and run or like a smash and grab, you know, just going out there completely outplayed and somehow making the result with one or two chances you get. But this felt completely different. It was one of the only times where I was actually very impressed with how Ole set up his team and uh, tactically it was spot on. It was like a complete 10 on 10 and United actually dominated them. Not in terms of position. Their defense was brilliant. I think shout out to Van Bissaka and Tuan Zewe who is playing his first game. Imagine playing your first game after 10 months of injury as a 22 year old and you're put straight into a lineup, lineup against two of the best attackers in the world, Neymar and Mbappe. And you come out 
the better player you completely outperformed them you dominated them i mean there are two tackles which especially you know highlights towards jb's qualities which uh, we united fans have always rated him he has been struggling with injuries a lot and we have we have been hoping he integrates into our team soon but this performance just solidifies our only existing impressions on him and i thought if again ole statics and the character that the team showed it was like a proper team performance fred mctominy we we saw glimpses of alex what alex telles can brings as well can bring as well i mean his crosses were i mean brazilian beckham that's the first thing i shouted out when i saw his first set piece this whip in it and we have not seen a left back who can cross properly or somebody who can cross with such a whip until he came in so like you said buzzing right now and special shout out to shaw and lindelof as well they did a really good performances uh, in the center uh, in the center gap position as well so absolutely buzzing one two i mean rashford did miss a lot of chances but he somehow took the most difficult one and that sums up rashford as a player but love it love him love it buzzing I, like i thought this was the best time to you know play psg because of their injury crisis verati is missing and they don't have a, a proper center back partnership right now and uh, their mood in the camp is also very bad because uh, tushel and leonardo the psg sporting director i seem to be in a tussle and uh, that's where i thought it was really good time to play psg and united took capitalized it perfectly because I always rate Ole and big games because he seems to get great performances out of his players against big teams in terms of counter-attacking football. And uh, this was another masterclass from him yet again because you know you know there are players like uh, Mbappe and Neymar who are going to try to dribble a lot and try to take chances. And uh, you need to be solid in tackling and solid at the back. And uh, shouted the hair as well. He kept kept you in the game most parts and he made some. very big saves to keep united still in the game and once they took the ball back and i thought fred and mctominay did the dirty work you know breaking the tempo and recovering the ball and cycling it forward and when you have bruno in in, in front of those defenders who i don't think they had a great game uh, bruno is just going to find those passes and uh, he created a lot of chances to capitalize their weak defensive weakness i thought when coming to psg right so i thought they needed a stability both in midfield and defense they need someone like verati to set the tempo and uh, you know be the man who will do- be the boss of the midfield and not let fred and mctominay dominate the midfield because when you played verati it would have been a completely different game and uh, uh, that's that's how bad the psg midfield is bad and even their defense they are not solid i thought the fullbacks did not provide enough cover to the defense because when you have an eye profile players like mbappe and neymar and di maria up front you can't expect them to do the defensive work or you know come track back and do the defensive dirty work so i thought their fullbacks needed to be much more defensive much more stable and provide a bit more cover but uh, i think it's a really really tough spot psg are in right now i am even seeing rumors that Tuchel might be sacked if it continues. So let's see what happens. Let's see if Tuchel still be the PSG manager when United face him in the reverse fixture. 
but yeah, uh, a great, great result for United after the 4-1 Newcastle win. This is a great momentum to carry on to the Chelsea game. So moving on from Paris, let's go to Madrid where, you know, a shocking defeat for Real Madrid against Shakhtar by a scoreline of two goals to three. Um, Sai, any comments on this game? Yeah, I was just tuning in, just waiting for the main, you know, like main Champions League pictures to come, just to pass my time seeing this game. But I was quite surprised because you know, looking at the backstory of this game as well, you, the 13 players from Shakhtar's first team got COVID positive and they couldn't come. If there was even one more case, the entire picture would have been halted. So that's how close this game was to being halted. And and I kind of think that Real Madrid wished this game got halted. Because it was such a great performance by Shakhtar. And uh, I thought Madrid looked so clueless. And uh, they they had nothing going forward as well. And Rodrigo, Jovic, and they didn't offer anything. Uh, Rodrigo dribbled a lot, but he was not able to, you know, get any shots or even create a chance as well. And Jovic looks like he's totally low on confidence ever since he moved to Real Madrid. And... That's a lot to expect from a guy to, you know, turn the result around. And they look kind of okay when Benzema came back. But uh, that was a very impressive performance by Shakhtar. And I thought uh, it was completely down to them. And a massive credit to Shakhtar to come with that kind of mentality and, you know, get that kind of result to uh, get back into the game and get this positive result for them as well. Oh, yeah, definitely agree. Um... They look completely different when Sergio Ramos is not playing, isn't he? Uh, you, I know people complain a lot about him this being that. But nobody can ever take away from the fact that Sergio Ramos is a leader. His mentality and character is needed for the Madrid team. They look very vulnerable, and different, especially when you come to Rafael Varane. I mean, he looks, he looks shaky without much confidence when Ramos is not playing. We saw that last season as well in the Champions League match against City. There seems to be some sort of jittery nerves in those uh, murder defence when Ramos is not playing. That It shows the importance of how much one a leader makes to a squad. And that's why I always insist there has to be some players with the right mentality, with the leadership quality in a side. And Ramos is one. He's one as is probably the best we can get, and they look a completely different squad. And second half they did turn it up, Madrid. But like you said, there was no end product really. There was mispasses, there was no final product. Vinicius was wasteful. Towards the end, only he did get in a couple of good crosses, but they were wasteful again. Uh, Modric great first goal, beautiful. I mean, whenever Modric doesn't score much, when he scores, he does scores world class goals. So again, out of the box, a long ranger, a beautiful goal. And they did, they, it looked like Madrid was going to equalize. They did actually manage to equalize in the, in the final minutes, but we are called it off, offside. And so, shock defeat again. It's the, This is the second or third loss, I believe, this season only. Zidane's under fire and not to mention with the El Clasico coming soon. Um, he has to turn it around, Zidane. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a great point about Ramos, you know. As much as there is deficiencies in Ramos's technical abilities, but with the presence he has in the midfield, I mean, the presence which he has in the defence, I don't think there is any midfielder in the world who can, you know, provide that kind of a leadership and 
that kind of a presence in uh, the defense because both i don't know what's going on with adam miltow i thought he was a great center back at porto but he look he, he does not look solid at all and varan completely froze in the second goal where he should have pressed and recovered the ball but yeah that's where they missed the leadership but uh, they just can't keep rely on ramos every single time to bail them out or you know benzema every single time to bail them out so they need to cover out, cover this up cover these mistakes up and uh, but yeah even now zerina is under fire as well but looks like poch will finally get the job either in paris or in madrid or maybe let's say even manchester at certain point so let's see it seems to be going manchester's way now the tide has turned and there are two other clubs who are in desperate need of great, good managers so let's see where this goes again but yeah i think zidane's fate will depend a lot on the el clasico that's coming up so we'll see what happens there so next let's quickly cover the other important games bayern continue their impressive form once again they win 4-0 against atletico and uh, i thought that was a completely like a dominant championship champions performance because yeah though atletico had some good chances which suarez should have converted and others should have converted the chance but it was bayern from start to finish and uh, every i thought kingsley coman had a fantastic game uh, joshua kimmich had a great game and this is what means for a championship team right you just don't depend on one single player or with the level of quality lewandowski has they don't depend on him every single time to win games there are players around him who can you know step up and do it at the big stages and i thought that was a great uh, part in bayern's win uh, now suarez is uh, last two games against bayern is just 12 to aggregate so let's see how the next game goes but yeah uh, that was an impressive bayern performance and uh, next liverpool had a scrappy 1-0 win against ajax and uh, that's one of those dogged liverpool wins that's what klopp even klopp had to say in his press conference and with the momentum they are in right now with the center backs situations they are in right now they needed this win and uh, that was a solid defensive performance once again from fabinho and uh, ajax were very unfortunate that they had to lose this game because i thought they had a good performance they they were great and uh, they could have used a one point from this game but uh, yeah this was a three points to liverpool and uh, the next step is uh, chelsea versus sevilla it was a nil nil draw uh, it almost looked like lampard wants to put out a statement that he wanted to get a clean sheet and uh, ben chilwell even mentioned it so uh the he more than a win he wanted that defensive stability and he was a bit more conservative in this game and uh, they got a much deserved clean sheet this game but yeah let's see what happens in the reverse fixture because i don't expect lampard you know be this conservative in every champions league fixture because he has to win to uh, get ahead of his group because even rennes are performing really well in france and in europe so let's see where this goes but Yeah, that's pretty much it with the interesting fixtures. Even Barca had a convincing five-one win. So uh, overall, a quite an interesting week. Not the best start to Champions League, but yeah, it, it did have interesting moments. So we have come to the end of this episode. It was a crazy week of football with some exciting matches and thrilling results. We have a lot of big games coming up next week, notably the El Clasico, the United versus Chelsea. That should be an exciting game. 
And as a reminder, Sai, uh, since you, you seem to have forgotten what the competition looks like, it's the second match day of the Champions League. Lots of fascinating matches to look forward to. We'll see you next week. Goodbye and stay safe.